I think that healthy debate is critical, but so is this idea of, okay, we've agreed on the direction, now we're going to take the hill together. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here are your hosts from the digital learning team at Crotonville, GE's Global Learning Institute. Welcome to another episode of Brilliance Leadership Learning. Our Leader in Residence program is up and running for 2017, so today we have our first Leader in Residence, or LIR as we call them, Linda Boff. Linda is GE's Chief Marketing Officer. She's been with GE for 13 years and is particularly passionate about diversity and balance the equation, GE's initiative to bring more women into the workplace, specifically aiming for 20,000 women to fill STEM roles in GE by 2020 and obtaining 50-50 representation in technical entry-level positions. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you, Linda. Uh, So welcome. Thank you so much, Chantel. It's uh, great to be talking. So I introed a little bit, but tell us about what you do at GE. Yeah, when I'm not leader in residence, I'm the company's chief marketing officer, which means that I uh, uh, am responsible for how our brand comes to life globally. And that's a combination of things. It's how we tell our story um, digitally um, through all kinds of different channels it's um, how we uh, how we go to market in new ways, how we try to create demand, um, how we uh, bring the brand to, to life through things like advertising and promotion and sponsorship and, and various forms of content, uh, our social media. So, you know, sort of all things brand as well as kind of the commercial side of how do we go to market. Great. And, th- and so this is, um, is it internal and external, primarily external? It's primarily external, but I would say that, you know, external in terms of how we tell our story, internal in the sense that, you know, we have a couple thousand people in marketing across the company. So, you know, obviously I have and spend a lot of time with our with our function and thinking about how we can uh, drive community, how we we can share and use and reuse best practices. That part's internal. Um, and certainly, you know, how we can drive better go-to-market uh, demand creation, demand capture. Ultimately, that's about growth for the company, but it's also about how we do that as marketers inside the company. So in that sense, you know, that part's both. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting um Sounds like you have a lot of interesting work in your hands full, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So um, tell us about what you've been doing since you've been on the Crotonville campus this week. What are some general reflections or themes that you've seen or anything like that? Yeah, so maybe to set the stage. So I got to campus more or less um, when we made the announcement about our new CEO. Mm. So give or take, you know, 30 minutes or so. So it's been quite a week to be here. (laughs) um, It's been a topic in every class and and largely in every dialogue. And and I will say it's been a great topic. There are a lot of people on campus who have worked with John Flannery in healthcare 
in India, uh, in his BD role, even in his capital role. So there's a tremendous amount of excitement about uh, about our new leader. Look, change is change. We all know that, you know, with that comes, you know, what is it going to mean for me? But we've had really open dialogues about that. And I would say, you know, on the, the you know, if we had a mood meter, um, the mood is just terrific on campus. So, um, so specifically, what have I been doing? You know, I kind of have thought of the last week as, as being in big settings and then very intimate settings. And so big, if you will, or we have three classes on campus this week, have had three classes, um, the MDC class, the Realizing Meaningful Change RMC class, and the um, My First Team class. So I've spent time in front of them sort of classroom style. That's been great. Um, but probably most meaningfully, um, I've spent a lot of time in really small groups, you know, three, four, five people on all kinds of different topics that are on people's minds, whether that's people leadership or risk taking or how we're becoming a digital industrial career ladders. I've done um, two dinners uh, with women on campus, you know, in your tee up, you, you, you know, you mentioned balance the equation. I do a lot of passion around that. So we've done, uh, dinners both nights with the women here in, uh, on campus this week. And those have just been super rich dialogues about how we can help each other to do a better job there. So, um, so that's kind of the setting, if you will. And, um, I, you know, I would say some of the themes, that keep coming up no matter who I talk to and as I reflect myself are authenticity around leadership, you know, how we drive as people leaders, um, openness, transparency, empathy, listening, um, directness, honesty. Um, That has been sort of a theme all week long. What does that look like? How do we... uh, uh, once we sort of agree on those as being important things, well, then what does that look like? How do you drive behavior in ways that that support that kind of, um, you know, uh, people leader qualities? So, uh, you know, leadership, 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 as kind of, I guess, the name LIR indicates it. <laughs> um, and it's just been, it's been terrific, a fantastic week. Yeah. So speaking of this people leader concept, explain kind of your view on the we all rise concept. So we do have people leaders and people leader expectations, but what about we all rise? What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's so I I think to me at least it means um you know, we're not in this as uh uh lone rangers. You know, the work that we do as a company is collectively what matters. It's what matters to our investors. I think it's what matters to our employees. And, you know, I think it speaks to um, how do we get outside um, what can at times for all of us feel like a, uh, uh, a little bit of a narrow focus, whether that's our particular function or our sub business or our particular geography and think about um, what challenges our colleagues are facing, what challenges the company is facing, and what's good for GE. And I I think when you sort of start with what's good for GE, you, you do start to collectively rise 
versus thinking about, you know, the, the, you know, just the very short term. And look, you know, we've had this conversation all week long, you know, short term results, long term strategy, it's not an or it's an and. And, um, and, you know, I think when you're here in this sort of Crotonville learning environment, um, you know, that's, uh, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Then I think everybody needs to leave campus and apply it with their teams and in their workplace. Sure. As we talk about people leaders and the importance of people leaders, as well as the importance of We All Rise, what would you say to people who are maybe outside of GE or even outside of an organization, why that kind of concept is important as, as a leader in many capacities? Yeah, I think the best leaders empower people. They empower their teams. Um, they empower their family and friends um, outside in a, sure, in a yeah. context. Um, I think they have each other's backs. Um, they want to win collectively versus beat each other. You know, how do you sort of, you know, how does one and one equal three? Um, a concept that that I'm very fond of that I've talked a lot about this week is this idea of um, disagree and commit. So debate what you need to debate, because, look, everybody comes at things with a different point of view. I think diverse points of view are exceptionally important. But ultimately, to move to truly move forward, you have to kind of have the debate and then move together as a team and all want to win and succeed. And I think that's true, you know, on the, the field of sport. I think it's true in families where you make compromises. Maybe you're compromising what you're, what movie you're going to see or where you're going to go on vacation. Or maybe you're compromising how you're going to approach a, a project. So I, I think that healthy debate is critical, but so is this idea of, okay, We've agreed on the direction. Now we're going to take the hill together. I really like that, the disagree and commit, because it's almost like that saying where even if you're not saying anything, you're agreeing to something. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Ex exactly. And and it's important that you don't get too tied up either. I mean, either way, the, the ship is going to sail. So we've got to figure out how to move forward. So let's focus a little bit on on you and getting a, getting to know you a little bit more. Um what stands out as contributing to your growth as a leader? And this could be something that's a personal experience or something professionally. Yeah. So, you know, I shared with all three classes my list of continues and considers. Okay. Uh, uh, and I'm fairly conscious of them. And uh, honestly, I think what, what a week in Crotonville reminds me of is that we're all on this lifelong journey of learning, right? You know, you're constantly thinking about what are your superpowers and what are the powers that you still need to acquire or at least get better at. And, you know, for me, I'm um, naturally a collaborator. I do really well with teams. Um, I, uh, am generous with my time. I think I'm quite accessible. I, you know, by, by, uh, by just a, for instance, I've kind of sat out in the open for, I don't know, five, six years now. So I think I'm, I'm easy to approach. And, uh, and I think those are really good things. I'm an optimist. I, I think I have high energy and sort of hopefully infuse others and motivate them with that. And then on, on the consider side, you know, what do I work on? I work on saying no. 
Um, I work on uh, I work on being um, more candid, more comfortable with confrontation, of figuring out direct ways versus you know sort of um, uh, uh, you know to me the worst the worst behavior is passive aggressive. Sure. Second worst is just pure aggressive. <laughs> Maybe third worst is passive. So, you know, one thing I've challenged myself on is just how to show up and be um, overt and direct and have difficult conversations when difficult conversations are required. So, you know, that's some of what I work on as a leader. Um, I have a proclivity toward action. I think a lot of us at GE have a proclivity toward action. It's a great trait of our culture and, and of the people I think we attract. And at the same time, I think we need to surround ourselves with people, I know I do, that have an analytic capability, that are thinking six, seven steps steps ahead. So, you know, again, that's, that's something that, that I think about and, and work on. So, you know, I've had a lot of conversations over this past week with, uh, people in obviously all, all stages of their careers in terms of what they're working on, how to work on things that you're less, uh, uh, less enamored with. (laughs) And, uh, I don't know, to me, that's the, that's the great value when, when you come here in whatever way you come here, whether you're a leader in residence or whether you're taking your first class in Crotonville is sort of that journey into yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say the, the part about we have a proclivity toward action and it's part of our culture. It could, because I think it's so much so going back to your points about things applying to, you know, sports or your family. I think that's one of the things where I found myself included other colleagues in GE who are, with their family and their children, they've got like these action plans and, <laughs> you know, I know, how are we going to solve for this problem? It's a different way of solving problems than, than maybe normal. So <laughs> no, I, you know, my poor husband sees me take out a piece of paper on Saturday morning and do a to-do list. And I think, I know he thinks I've lost my mind, but <laughs> I just, I love the checking it off. I think we all do to some degree. It's, yeah. you know, it's accomplishment. And I think, you know, when you're here, you realize the importance of reflection. Uh, one of the classes, I think it was MDC, had a, a brain expert come in and advise the class, A, there's no such thing as multitasking. It actually is counterproductive to do multiple things at the same time. And and B, you know, this habit that we all have, I certainly do, of, you know, scheduling 30-minute meetings back to back to back to back. Oh, yeah all day long, it just, what, what do you ultimately get done? How do you make sure that you're building in time to, to react, time to discuss, um, time to reflect. So I, that's kind of, I think you walk away from experiences like this, um, with a little bit of that, a little bit of perspective, you, you know, I am fond of saying separate the urgent from the important. Mm -hmm. And yet it sometimes it feels as though everything's urgent and isn't. So it was, it's been a good reminder for me. I'm writing that down right now. Separate the urgent from the important because it's so true. <laughs> Your whole life can become urgent, right? And you yeah. never actually get to the stuff that matters. You never get to important. Yeah. Like going to the bathroom, for instance. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I just, you know, there's definitely those days where you have those back-to-back meetings and pretty soon you're like, wow, I've gone the whole morning without even leaving my chair. It's just crazy sometimes. So absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. 
So is there something, is there a particular thing in your life, um, maybe a lesson learned or on the flip side, something overwhelmingly positive that has just really left a mark on you as a person and that you think has formed you as a leader? You know, I don't, in my case, I don't think there was one big thing. I think there have been a series of things that have helped me um, lead um, on the personal side, I started coaching my uh, very young daughter at the time in soccer um, simply because I was fairly disgusted um, with the way she was being coached and by the fact that there were no women in my town coaching soccer. And I had no idea how to play soccer, let alone coach soccer. So um, I got a video and I read a book or two and I did that for eight years. And I think I and it was great. It was great on so many levels um, uh, to coach a team. I think, you know, sports, I think, teach you a lot. I'm a big sports fan, um, but this was a different kind of thing. So I learned a lot. I mean, certainly the the, the time with her and her friends was, was literally priceless. But I think I learned a lot about myself in doing that and, you know, fairness. And sometimes you have to pull your daughter off, your own child off the field. <laughs> right else and you know sort of that kind of thing so I think that was that was one another was a time that um maybe seven years ago give or take six years six 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 seven years ago Chantel where I was coming back from uh, uh, a role at NBC where I was CMO of a digital property they had called iVillage and uh, was was really kind of thinking about what was next for me and whether that was inside or outside of GE. And um, I wound up coming back to um, corporate, GE corporate from NBC. And I was in a very, very gray role with virtually no staff and quite amorphous. And um, I had support from my leader who uh, was and is still uh, Beth Comstock, our, our vice chair, didn't have a lot of peer support, um, I think, because my role was so undefined and in some ways, you know, perhaps threatening, who knows. And I had to both figure out what that role was, um, how to navigate through a challenging, you know, um, uh, uh, situation and how to make a difference. And uh, it was kind of a challenger role, if you will. And I think amongst other things I learned was that I was determined to um, succeed, sort of not just in spite of, of perhaps uh, a lack of support, but maybe even because of it, right? So, uh, and I really, I know I would not be in the role I'm in today. And I don't think I would be as good a leader had I not been in this sort of um, you know, as I say, very gray role with, uh, with in some ways, uh, responsibilities that were mine to not just do, but, but kind of create. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, kudos to you for both of those things. I, and particularly with, um, you know, coaching your daughter, for example, I just think that's such a good reminder to anybody that if there's something you want to change, do it, take a step, do something. Um, you know, you had no experience with soccer whatsoever. I mean, it's one thing for somebody to say, oh, yeah, I, I know all the rules of soccer and I'm going to see if I can do this. It's another to be like, well, I'm just going to get a book and figure it out and we're going to do this. So, um, 
I, I love it. So it's interesting. Um, I'll just, if I could riff on that for a second, because it's come up in, in, uh, in, uh, Crotonville throughout the week, which is this idea of be the change. Mm -hmm. And I, I think as, um, we reflect as leaders on the change we want to see at our company and the speed with which we want to operate and the agility and the transparency to me, the big, the big rallying cry, um, for, for everybody, anybody who's listening and, you know, thinking about what they can do, it is be the change, right? Don't wait for somebody else. And, uh, it's just, it's just amazing. We can all be digital industrial leaders. Now we're not all going to do it in the same way, but we can all do it. We can all be people leaders versus managers. We can all be empowering. And I think the question then becomes the how. So what does that look like? Yeah, so true. That's actually a perfect segue uh, into a little bit more of my last questions, which focus yep. around digital industrial. So with the digital industrial shift in the focus of GE as a company, um, you know, how, how does that change how we lead in your mind and what has maybe been most difficult for you to adjust to, if anything? Yeah. Um, so I think, what does it change? Um, I think it changes, um, truly based on where you are in the company, which is not to say it's not equally important for everybody, but I think it's different for everybody. And I was in a digital industrial boot camp a couple weeks ago, and one of the things we did at the end was say, okay, what does this mean for, for me? What does this mean for Linda? Or what does this mean for, for Jim or Susie or Bob or whomever? And and everybody had a different take because um, I, I think it just varies so much. For me, what it means is um, operate at customer speed, use tools, literally the best, most modern available tools with which to connect with our customers and stakeholders, find ways that we can um, operate at the speed of the market um, and operate in, in real time. Um, how we can think about transformation, not just tech transformation, although obviously that's a piece of it, but but business model transformation. Um, so I, you know, I I think um, it's one that I believe you really need to sort of reflect and say, okay, how do I help the company? And in some ways, you know, that's translate. You know, what does this mean? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my customer, my division? And, and what does it mean personally? So on a, to answer your question in terms of how hard it's been for me, this is not one of the things that has been hard for me per se. I'm uh, not in, surprised at all. <laughs> I, I live out loud um, to some degree. So, you know, the, the tools, you, social media tools, et cetera, are ones I've been on for quite a while very comfortable with. I'm not sure I'm very good at them, but I'm very comfortable oh, with them. No, you're great. Uh, so that part has not been hard. Thinking in terms of what's next, be it virtual reality, augmented reality, voice-enabled technology, you know, that's kind of... Um, uh, well, I'm not a technical person by by trade or nature. Um, I could never go blow by blow with with a Jim Fowler. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, he'd have me down by the second count. 
love the I love what technology can do. And I think I tend to approach it from a behavioral point of view. I was a, a psych psychology minor in college oh, okay. and I, I think about behavior that technology enables. Um and so I I love it actually. So I don't, you know, while I certainly have many, many learning curves, it's one that I kind of am joyful about versus skittish. Sure. I think what you kind of said is actually a great highlight in terms of not necessarily putting all your eggs in one basket, if I could use that term. So when it comes to digital, it's not just necessarily the technology. So if I can flip this into a little bit of a different topic, uh, it kind of goes into diversity in the company and not just focusing on um, tools, but also behaviors. And so when it comes to diversity, I know that's another area you're passionate about. Give us a little bit of of your thoughts on diversity as a whole. Yeah, no, thanks, Chantal. It is something I'm passionate about. And to me, it actually begins with diverse points of view. Um, I I really think as leaders, we have to uh, stop hiring people who look and sound and think the way we do. I think part of the, the richness of a company that is trying to transform itself and transform industry are diverse points of view. I think a great example of this are the new thinkers, different thinkers, different backgrounds we've brought in through GE Digital. I love that. You know, these are folks that are approaching things from a different point of view. My own team, which is largely from outside the company, has such varied backgrounds, creative backgrounds and direct response backgrounds and agency backgrounds. So I think diversity leads to better decision making. It leads to fuller decision making. So I sort of start with that. Um, And then I, uh, you know, I go to something like balance the equation and I think about, well, why is this important to do? Because it's not a nice to do, in my opinion, not not even close. I mean, you know, you you sort of start in some ways with 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 data. You know, women are really underrepresented. And this is industry wide in tech, in engineering, in IT globally. And and the data will also say that a more gender diverse workforce will be a more competitive one. So, you know, if if we literally put our emotions completely aside and just look at data, there's a good data story to doing this, to closing the gender gap, gap blah, excuse me, to closing <laughs> the gender gap. That was a little bit of a tongue twister. So, you know, I, I am immensely proud that GE has kind of stood up to that challenge, both for ourselves, you know, hiring and having 20,000 women in tech roles by 2020 and 50-50 representation in tech entry level roles, but also as a catalyst for the industry. You know, when a company like GE um, makes a commitment, people pay attention, and we actually can help move and change the industry. And so I'm super proud of the effort. I'm super proud of people like Lorraine Bolsinger and Isabel Cruz and Susan Peters and Annette Ellison and Vicka Bade and Bill Rue that have all been kind of part of this because it's men and women working together. And maybe I'll just say quickly, you know, I, I we've had a lot of dialogue about this on uh, on campus and in classes. And um, I, I really think that A, people, men and women, 
want to get there. Um, I think they, they're proud that our company's taking this kind of effort, making this kind of statement, you know, sometimes on behalf of their daughters. So uh, it's been, uh, we're in the early stages. We announced this a couple of years ago, but we've given ourselves kind of a, initially at least, a, a fast roadmap, right? 2020 is around the corner. So it's a great effort. Super proud to have been uh, part of, of helping to create this and, and continuing to, to help amplify it. Yeah, we do have really awesome leadership at, at GE in this in this area. Um, so I couldn't agree with you more there. I do want to ask the question. I have to ask the question. Do you think that we will ever have a, a, a female CEO at GE? hundred percent. Yes. I, I I'll get in trouble if I name what I think is the short list, but hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. I'll and I your brain later on that. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that might be, yeah. That's the, uh, those are the outtakes I think Chantal, but yeah. No, I am so I'm so inspired by our leaders here at GE and so many of them are women. I mean, here, yeah. this is not my short list at all, but I, uh, you know, I look at a Beth Comstock, a Susan Peters, Jamie Miller, Kate Johnson, Rachel Dwan. I mean, just Deirdre Latour, just one inspirational leader after another. And, uh, and then very candidly, I look at the women on my team who are just rock stars. I mean, I will say that were it not for, for, three women on my own team, uh, Jamie Brayton, Sydney Williams, and Alexa Christian, we, uh, you know, I don't think balance the equation would be what it is in the current form. They had such passion and heart around this. And uh, I just love that. I'm with you. Well, and let me say, I could not agree more with your continues in terms of you as a leader. Um, you are absolutely just so authentic and and it's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. And is there any last things that you would like to share with the audience? Thank you so much. It's been great talking. Um, and it's been really such an honor to sort of kick off this next round of, of leader in residence. And there's some, you know, all the ones coming up are just fabulous. You know, what I would say is that we are on the cusp of what feels like it is going to be a a great time to be at GE, exciting new leader, a great sense of purpose, building on the transformation that we've been through that Jeff has led. And I think if um, if we all can sort of show up and be the best possible leader that we can, we can be motivating, we can be empowering, we can be good listeners, um, and we can have a winning competitive spirit. There's nothing we can't do as a company. I love it. Thank you so much, Linda. Um, if, if anybody wants to stay in touch with you, I can definitely vouch you're great on social media. So uh, you can find Linda on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Is there anything else, anywhere else you want <laughs> people to Those are pretty good. You can always do the old-fashioned thing and email or phone me, but those are all pretty good. And I uh, love to hear any thoughts or comments or questions. Please feel free to, to reach out. So thank you. And again, Chantel, thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like, comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.